Welcome to the Faith Talk podcast. We're excited you are listening today. Prepare to be challenged and inspired through today's episode. We pray that every fear is dispelled and your faith is increased as you hear the word of God. Now, let's listen in with our host, Caleb Schaefer. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give God some praise. Amen. What a beautiful day. Well, God has been so good to us through all of this, uh, and I'm just so grateful to Him. I'm, I'm grateful that He has had His hand on this ministry. He's had His hand on all of us, and uh, I know that the best days are out in front of us. Amen. The best days, the very best days are out in front of us. And this, this message this morning that uh, I'm going to going to preach is one, if I had to give it a title, I would title it The Three Gardens. The Three Gardens. And I want us to open up and, and look first at Genesis chapter 2. It seems like in the Bible, if you read through, you'll see that God loves to visit gardens. God loves to visit gardens. And uh, our family likes to plant a garden every year. We've got fresh vegetables in the summer, and we always like those. We always like to, uh, to have those fresh vegetables. And there's nothing quite like a tomato sandwich right off the vine. You pick the tomato and go in and put it between two slices of bread and put a little, a little mayonnaise on there and some salt and pepper. But it seems like God loves to visit gardens in the Bible, if you read through. And this first garden that we read about in Genesis chapter 2 is a beautiful garden that He created. Genesis chapter 2, starting at verse 8, if you'll read along with me. The Lord planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there He placed the man whom He had formed. Out of the ground the Lord made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, along with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to, the wa to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It encompasses the whole land of Havilah, where there's gold. The gold of that land is good. Delium and the onyx stone are there. Then the name of the second river is Gahan. It encompasses the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Tigris. It, also, it goes toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, so I'll make him a helper suitable for him. A lot of the time when we see God visit a garden, in the Bible, there's some sort of exchange of authority. A lot of the time we see God show up in a garden, there's an exchange of authority. We see here that God gave authority to man in the Garden of Eden. 
And then a little bit later we read on in, X, in Genesis chapter 3. We read on about how man gave that authority away through disobedience. Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God said you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit from the trees of the garden, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you will not eat of it, nor will you touch it, or else you will die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You, shall, you surely will not die, for God knows that on that day of the day you eat it, it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasing to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruits and ate. And she gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. The Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What have you done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Bible tells us here that God came walking through the garden after Adam and Eve had sinned, after they ate of the fruits that he told them not to eat of. And the connotation here, the, the illusion here, is that God did this regularly. He came to the garden to visit on a regular basis, but in the afternoon, in the cool of the day. And I can imagine as God would have walked through the garden, the, the cool breeze would have rustled the leaves as he walked, and, and the flowers would have perked up as he walked past, and everything must have been paying attention to God as he passed through. And he did this on a regular basis. And they were expecting God to walk through the garden at that point of the day. Adam and Eve were expecting him. They heard his voice coming. And they knew that he would be there at that point in the day. And what Adam and Eve did was they went and they hid from the presence of God. They were afraid because they knew that they had done wrong. You see, two exchanges of authority had taken place in this garden. God originally gave authority and dominion to man, and then through sin, man gave authority and dominion to Satan. They sinned. They obeyed Satan. Do you understand today that your authority is only based on who you are obedient to? Your authority today in the body of Christ, in the Christian world, in the world in general, your authority is only based on who you're obedient to. So if you want authority in the spirit, you've got to be obedient to the right one. If you want authority to run the devil off, you've got to be obedient to God. Because only through your submission to God do you have authority over the enemy. The enemy will not run off from you if you're holding hands from, with him one second and then try to run him off the next. You can't commiserate with the enemy and then expect to run him off. 
And this is why we're lacking so much in the body of Christ, I believe, in authority. Because we preach this greasy grace message. And you haven't heard it here, but you've heard it in a lot of other places. And if you turn on a lot of Christian TV, there's a greasy grace message that gets preached. And it's, well, you can still have a little bit of sin. You can still play around and you can still do, do some things that make you feel good in the world. But at the end of the day, people don't realize that by living under the guise that they can do whatever they want to and in living grace they are giving up their authority in the spirit. So when you pray for people and they're sick, you can't run the devil off. And when the devil comes to torment your mind and your kids, you can't run the devil off because you've been messing around with them all week. You've been following his orders instead of God's orders. And in order for us to have any authority at all in the Spirit, and in order for us to be able to say in the name of Jesus, I command you to go, we have to be in submission to God. So Adam and Eve decided they were going to mess around with sin. They did four things here as God walked through the garden. They first acknowledged God's presence. They acknowledged that God was there. They said, we heard you coming. We heard your voice. We knew you'd be here about this time. And so we went and hid. They admitted guilt. They admitted that they had sinned. They said we're naked. And then they hid as a result of the guilt. They hid. So they acknowledged God's presence. They became afraid. They knew that they were naked. They admitted sin. And then they hid. And what was once a welcome voice to them was now a voice that was scary because they knew that God would know what they had done. What was once a welcome voice in their ears, they welcomed hearing the voice of God coming to spend some time in the cool of the afternoon with them. They welcomed God walking through the garden before, but now they were hiding from one that they had once welcomed because they had sinned. Their, their dread had filled their hearts. God's voice became a scary sound because they knew that they had done wrong. And a lot of the time, as Christians, when we know we have sinned, we try to run from God. We try to hide from God. Because you might get away with it and think that nobody else saw, but God saw. And so people, I can kind of tell when they're in sin because they kind of they kind of try to hide from church and they kind of try to try to sit where nobody's going to notice them and try to kind of hide back away from people because they know that, that, that they don't want people to know, but God knows what you've done. But the thing is, instead of God wanting you to run and hide, He wants you to come back to it. God doesn't want you to hide from Him. God didn't want Adam and Eve to hide from Him. God wanted them to come to Him with their problem. God's voice hadn't changed. Adam and Eve were the ones who had changed. God's voice didn't all of a sudden become scary. Adam and Eve had become afraid because of their sin. Always remember this. It's not God who changes. It's us. God didn't move. You moved. If you're feeling far away from God, it's not because God moved. It's because you moved. 
It's because you got away from God. If you feel like you, God can't hear you, it's not because God's anywhere different. God is in the same place. God is the same one that He's always been. But it's because you moved. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve here. They became scared of God because of their sin. Man exalted his will over God's will in the Garden of Eden. But I want us to jump over to Matthew 26 now. Because in Matthew 26, we see another exchange of authority. We see another exchange of authority. Matthew 26, starting at verse 36. The Bible says this. Then Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane, another garden, and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray close by. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Wait here and keep watch with me. Then he went a little farther, and falling on his face, he prayed, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so could you not keep watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away for a second time and prayed, oh my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, so their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Look, he who betrays me is at hand. So you see what happened here in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a complete 180, a complete turnaround for what had happened in the Garden of Eden because God had made His will known. God had made His will known in the Garden of Eden and He said, Don't eat of that tree. You can do anything else you want to here. You can eat anything else you want to here, but don't eat of that tree. And man, by eating that tree, said my will is more important than God's will. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus turned it around and he said, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus renounced the will of man and he gave his will to God. He said, God, your will be done. He renounced all control. He renounced everything that he had control over. And he said, I want your will to be done. Jesus had to give up his will because in order for the cross to be effective he had to reverse what man had done in the garden of Eden. So Jesus gave up his will. He said God your will be done. There was a transfer of authority in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said I'm going to take my will, man's will and I'm going to give it back to the Father and say God your will be done. Your will be done. In Scripture, when we see God enter a garden, that garden is a place where authority is exchanged. So in Eden, we see authority given from God to man. Man gives that authority to the devil. And then in Gethsemane, Jesus, as a man, gave the authority back to God. 
Then I want us to flip over to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Another passage of Scripture here where we see God show up in a garden. John chapter 19. We're going to start at verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea began being a disciple of Jesus and secretly for fear of the Jews asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took his body. Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 75 pounds. Then he took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in linen cloths, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever been buried. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb of Jesus was nearby, they buried Jesus there. So they take Jesus into a garden to be buried. But he didn't stay there. We know that. Turn over to John chapter 20 and verse 11. John chapter 20 and verse 11. John chapter 20 verse 11 But Mary stood outside of the tomb weeping And as she wept she stooped down And looked into the tomb And she saw two angels in white Where sitting where the body of Jesus had lain One at the head and one at the feet Then he said to her Woman why are you weeping She said to them because they have taken away my Lord And I do not know where they have put him When she had said this She turned around and saw Jesus standing But she did not know it was Jesus Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples she had seen the Lord and he had said these things to her. So you see, there was an exchange of authority in the garden of, of Eden. God gave authority to man. Man gave that authority to the devil. And then in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus gave that authority back to God. But we find another garden here. The garden of Eden was the garden of temptation. The Garden of Eden was the Garden of Temptation. And then we go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Garden of Gethsemane is the Garden of your will being crushed. And then we go to the Garden where Jesus was buried. And we find dead things. Things that are beyond hope. Jesus was in that tomb for three days. And Mary wasn't going to the tomb because she thought he had risen. Mary wasn't going to the tomb because she thought he was alive. Mary was 
going to the tomb with myrrh and aloes and spices and oils because she thought that he was going to still be in that tomb. Mary went to that tomb expecting fully to find the dead body of Jesus inside. And Mary, when she got to the tomb, was completely surprised because the stone had been rolled away and inside was sitting angels. And Mary must have been completely shocked when she got there, noticing that the stone had been rolled away. Can I tell you today, Jesus didn't need that stone to be rolled away so he could walk out of the tomb. That stone was rolled away as a sign to the disciples that he was no longer there. Jesus walked through walls. He didn't need any doors to be opened. He didn't need to open anything up so he could get out. No, that stone was rolled away as a sign that, that he was no longer inside. And when Mary got to the tomb and she looked and she saw that the stone had been rolled away and his body wasn't there, she began to cry out, Where have you taken him? What have you done with him? And all of a sudden, we see Jesus show up as a gardener. Why would Jesus appear? to Mary as the gardener? Why would he look like a gardener? Why would he look like something else? Why would he look like himself? Why would Jesus show up looking like the gardener? Mary said, what have you done with this body? She still didn't believe, even though the tomb was open, even though the body wasn't there. She still didn't believe that he had resurrected. And Jesus appeared to her. And he said, Mary. And all of a sudden, she knew who it was. First, she thought he was a gardener. I believe, truly, that Jesus showed up as a gardener not by happenstance. But Jesus showed up as a gardener on purpose. Mary thought he was a gardener because he wanted it that way. Mary thought he was a gardener because he had had it planned out. Mary looked at him and thought, there's the guy that's taking care of these grounds. There's the guy that's taking care of this, this area where Jesus was buried. There's the gardener. Why would he show up as a gardener? Because in the Garden of Eden, Adam's job was the gardener. Adam was the gardener in the Garden of Eden. He was put there to subdue it. He was put there to have authority and dominion in the garden. He was put there to rule over the garden. And so authority was exchanged one more time in the garden. Because the Bible lets us know in the Garden of Eden, God gave what? Man authority. Man gave it to the devil. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus gave it back to God. But in the tomb, in the garden tomb, God said, I'm giving authority back to Jesus. And Jesus showed up as a gardener. Jesus showed up as a gardener for a lot of reasons. Because he let us know that he has authority and dominion here in the earth. And that if we are submitted to him, and if we are in him, we too have that same authority. If we are in him, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. He said, if you're in me, you're going to walk the earth with the same authority that I have. You're going to walk the 
earth with the same authority that Adam had in the garden. That authority was restored in the garden. And we know that God has given us authority, the Bible says, to trample what? Over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. Let me tell you, I want to read you from, from Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. John said this, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. Then laid, he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives, though I was dead. I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus was saying, I've got the authority. I've got the authority back that you gave away in the Garden of Eden. I've got that authority back. Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Jesus took back every bit of authority from the devil. The devil has no hold over you. The devil only has as much of a hold over you as you will allow him to have. Because if you are in Jesus, you have authority to speak to that devil. You have authority to speak to that sickness. You have authority to speak to whatever it is until that thing be gone. You have the authority. If you're in Jesus Christ, you don't have to fool around with the devil. You don't have to fool around with sickness. You start getting some sort of symptom. You start getting some sort of diagnosis. You begin to command that thing to go. You begin to speak to that thing. You don't call people up and then ask them about it. You don't call people up. You don't get on WebMD and Google your symptoms. No, no, no. You start to speak to that mountain. And you say, be removed and be cast into the sea. I'm not sick. I am well. Because I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. And he has been given all authority in heaven and in earth. You don't sit around and feel sorry for yourself any longer. Not one more minute. You don't sit around and feel sorry anymore because you have authority through Jesus Christ. You begin to command that spirit to go. That spirit that wants to keep you anxious. That spirit that wants to keep you depressed. That spirit that wants to keep you in bondage. Listen to me. The devil only has as much authority in your life as you will allow him to have. He can only come so far. And when you begin to command him to go, not by your own authority, but because you are submitted to God and Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and in earth, he is the gardener now. He is the gardener now. He has come back to life and he is the gardener. He's got the authority over this earth. And you begin to tell every single foul spirit that's coming against you and against your mind, you don't have to pick up another drug. You don't have to have another drink. You don't have to find somebody else to sleep with. You don't have to go through all those things. You can tell that stuff to go. I'm not messing around with the devil anymore. You've got to begin to speak to that devil and begin to tell him to go. Jesus has been given all authority. And because you're in him, you have authority. I'm tired of coddling things in the body of Christ. I'm tired of coddling sin and calling it a struggle. I'm tired of calling coddling sickness and acting like, well, it's just in God's timing. I'm tired of coddling things in the body of Christ. We need to begin to command things to go. Command things 
prince of flame, from every salon. Say, I know the gardener in this place. He has all authority. He has risen from the dead. And I'm in him. And he's in me. And I command us to go now by his power and his authority. In the name of Jesus. I feel it this morning. In the name of Jesus. Go. In the name of Jesus. Go. Drug addiction. Go. In the name of Jesus. Alcohol addiction. Go. In the name of Jesus. Lust and perversion and pornography addictions. Go. In the name of Jesus. I feel the authority in this place today. And if you'll begin to command it, if you'll begin to command it, instead of accepting it, instead of accepting the diagnosis, instead of accepting your bondage, instead of accepting that you have to take medicine every single day for the rest of your life, begin to command those things to go by the authority of Jesus Christ. And watch what God does. Because at that name, nothing can stand. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He has risen with all authority over death and hell and the grave. They have no hold on you. They have no power over you. If you realize in this life what authority and what power you have to speak to your situation and speak over your life and speak over your family's lives, if you could only realize what power you have some people have been dealing with things for years because they've been asking God to take it away when you have the authority to command it to go. I know I'm messing with some theology today. That's all right. Some people have been asking God to do something for years. When you're the one, He has given the authority to you through Jesus Christ to command things to go, to command sickness to leave, to command bondages to leave. You don't have to deal with that stuff for another second. You don't have to have a bunch of pastors come over and pray for you. You don't have to have any of that. You begin to command it to go in the name of Jesus. And watch it flee. And as long as you're submitted to God, as long as you're submitted to God, there's nothing the enemy can do to keep you bound up. I believe the church is about to walk into a new season. I believe the church is about to walk into a new season. And we're going to begin to see the miracles and the signs and the wonders that we have only heard about. We're going to begin to see the revival that we have only heard about. We're going to begin to see things that we have dreamed and we have seen visions for and we've read about in the Bible and we've heard the old revival stories of A.A. Allen and, and Catherine Kuhlman and Amy Simple McPherson and Oral Roberts and R.W. Schambach and we've heard the revival stories about Lester Sumrall and Smith Wigglesworth and Howard Carter. We've heard the revival stories about how they saw miracles but we have yet to see them in great magnitude. But I believe God is going to begin to pour out as the believers step out in their authority in Jesus Christ and begin to tell the devil, this is not your territory. You don't have any authority here. You don't have any ground here. You've got to go in the name of Jesus. And as we begin to tell the devil where to go, literally, as we begin to tell the devil where to go, we're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. We're not a bunch of wimps. 
We're not a bunch of wussies. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And we've got to begin to take authority. We've got to begin to take authority. In those three gardens that I talked about, the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Temptation, the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Struggle between your will and God's will, and the Garden where Jesus was buried, the Garden where dead things are. A lot of people are facing one of those three gardens right now. You're either being tempted by something, there's a struggle between your will and God's will, or you're looking at something that's dead and gone. And I came to tell you today, you know the gardener over all three of them. And he has risen from the dead. He has given you his authority. And he has said, use it. Use it. Submit yourself to God and take authority. You don't have to sit and watch things die. You don't have to sit and be tempted by the enemy every day. You don't have to sit and struggle with your will. You can get a hold of the gardener. And he'll come to the garden for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I thank you today. I thank you today. God, that you have not left us. You have not left us for one second. But God, you have given us the authority that we lost in the Garden of Eden. We have that authority in Jesus Christ. And as we submit ourselves to you, and submit ourselves to him, God, you have given us power over the devil. So God, I pray that you teach us to use it. God, that you teach us to use the authority. You teach us to command the devil to go. You teach us to command the devil to take his hands off of our families, off of our minds. And you remind us, God, that the devil only has as much authority as we'll give him. God, right now, I bind Satan. I bind Satan off of minds. I bind Satan off of health. I bind Satan off of finances. I bind Satan off of family members. I bind Satan who has people addicted and bound up. And in the name of Jesus, I command him to go. I command Satan to go by the power of the resurrected Christ. By the power of the one who showed up and said, I am the one who was dead and now live. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. I am the one who has authority in all heaven and in all earth, in that power and in that authority, we command it to go. We command sickness to leave. We command it to go in the name of Jesus. God, right now, I pray for mental bondages, fear, anxiety, depression, addictions, addictions. In the name of Jesus, I command them to go. I command them to go. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would show up and fill the void. Your Holy Spirit would show up and fill the void where the enemy has had a stronghold and a foothold. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, 
I thank you that everything bows at that name of Jesus. I thank you today, God. Everything bows. And now I want to ask a question. You might be in this parking lot and you might not know Jesus Christ, but you need to know Him. Because the days are short. The days are short. We're not going to be here much longer. I'm getting ready to hear that trumpet sound. I'm getting ready to hear that trumpet sound. I'm getting ready for the eastern sky to split wide open. I'm reminded of a dream I had a few years back where we were actually in this parking lot and we were standing out here and we were looking up at the sky and all of a sudden the sky was rolled away. It was like someone ripped, a, ripped the sky completely out and it was a bright flash of white. And all of a sudden we were up in the air and we were going and the next thing we knew we were looking back at the earth and then we were in the throne room in heaven. Listen church, I don't believe that there's a whole lot of time left but it's kind of funny that we're out in the parking lot and I had a dream about us being in the parking lot when it happened and this was long before coronavirus. I had no idea. It just came back to me. But church, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming so soon that I believe that most of us who are alive in this parking lot right now are going to be here when it happens. We're not going to be here long. And you've got to know Him. You've got to have a relationship with Him. Because those who don't are going to be left behind. And so church, I want to ask you today, are you right with Him? Are you right with Him? Have you been living in sin? Have you been living according to the Word of God? Or have you been living according to what the devil wants you to do? Oh church, we've got to shun sin like never before. So right now, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ with your life, or if you need to recommit your life to Him, I'm going to pray a prayer and ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And if you do that, we're believing with you, you're going to start the best journey, the best relationship of your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father God, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. I believe He died on the cross, but He rose again. I believe He's coming back. And I also believe that His blood has the power to cleanse me from all sin. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness and your cleansing. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you for making me your child today. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer... I would love to talk, to talk to you before you leave this parking lot. I'd love to just talk to you for just a few minutes. But I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited that we're taking authority over the devil today. There's some things you need to take authority over as soon as you get home today. As you leave this parking lot, I believe God's going to reveal them to you as you're on your way home. I believe God is going to do something great and mighty. Hallelujah. God bless you. We thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Faith Talk podcast. If you would like to connect with the host, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com.
Be sure to check out Caleb's worship albums on iTunes, Amazon Music and wherever digital music is sold or streamed. If you've been encouraged today, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. May God bless you and remember to tune in next week for another episode of the Faith Talk Podcast.